This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with, with Science. Science. Because our hockey shows were so well received by you, the listeners, and because you had so many questions about physics on ice and its technology, we decided to make another show just for you and do our best to answer as many questions as we can. And to help us achieve this, we have the multi-talented Alan Hache, author of Slapshot Science and the Physics of Hockey and professor of physics at Montcon University in Canada, a man who knows what it means to be in the thick of the action because he is also a hockey goalie. That's what we learned when we talked to him. We did, and we're very impressed by that fact. But we won't stop there. We have a little treat for all you hardcore hockey fans because there will be be talking to third-generation professional hockey player Colin Wilson. Yes, that Colin Wilson of the Nashville Predators and someone who, like yourselves, has an inquiring mind when it comes to science and not to leave out our geeks. We're going to bring in Dr. Tyson and he will talk to Colin. So stick around for that. It promises to be a lot of fun. Yes. And so to answer all the questions about hockey, or as you so eloquently put it, Gary, physics on ice. Yes. Uh, let's bring in um, Professor Alan Hache. Alan, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining yes. us again. So what we have done is put out a call to you, the listener, uh, on Facebook and Twitter and any incarnation where we can be found on the Internet. Yeah, you've and got a pigeon with a little message tied <laughs> on his leg. <laughs> Stop that pigeon. Okay. Uh, just dated myself unbelievably. It's all right. Uh, I got yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
what we did was ask you, what do you want to know about uh, the physics of hockey or the science of uh, hockey? And um, we got a lot of questions from all across the internet. So let's take our first one from uh, Rene Douglas. Mm. And uh, we always start with the Patreon patron, uh, Patreon patron question because Patreon patrons actually support Star Talk uh, financially. So um, basically, um, priority pass. Yes, exactly. For the professor, here we go. What factors determine the speed of the puck? What is the maximum speed a puck can go? Yeah. Alan, you're up. Yes, so um, it, it's all about how much energy is transferred to the puck from the player to the puck. And uh, really, it's like you cannot give uh, more speed than the energy that you're uh, willing to uh, to provide. And muscle, it comes from the muscles. And we okay. know from uh, basic uh, biomedical um, or kinesiology that about 10 pounds of muscle can deliver up to about one horsepower at the peak. Mm-hmm. And so the more muscle groups work towards propelling the puck, uh, the greater the velocity. So when so you said when, more muscle groups work toward it, are you talking about that would be, so I'm, let's say I'm like super jacked and so I have my biceps because I'm pulling back, I have my back my, because I'm twisting my trunk and then my shoulders because I'm pulling the stick down. So all of those groups working together, the more muscular you are in each one of those groups, the more powerful, the more energy you can transfer to the stick of the puck? Yes. And okay. uh, so so different techniques exploit ha- different amount of muscle groups. So the okay. slap shot will use a lot of the leg, the trunks, the upper body, whereas the wrist shot is not as powerful and it usually involves more like the front, uh, the top of the, uh, of the body only. So a slap shot actually comes from basically ice level up through them back down to the ice. Yeah, it's it's the all, the whole body. So the the legs would propel the body forward, and then the the rotation of the upper body would uh, we don't you know move the puck to the stick towards the puck, and then transfer that energy to the puck. So now let's say we. I think if I'm not mistaken, and I I can't remember off the top of my head, so I may be wrong. So for those of you who are going to correct me on Twitter, don't. Don't don't Do skewer me. Do Just it. let me know, but yes. don't. No pressure then to get it right. Yeah, but I believe the top speed of a puck right now has been recorded at 108 miles per hour. Yeah, I believe. Is is it possible to get much faster than that? And what would what would the top speed be? Um, looking at maybe the strongest human possible. Very good question. Um, I don't know if anybody anybody has looked at that, uh, but I think we're we're really close to the the limit of what a person can do. And don't forget too, as well, that when they do the skills competition, mm-hmm. what they have they take a few strides towards the puck. And that uh, also helps because you transfer that linear momentum from the player to the puck. Yeah. And that does usually happen in a game. Usually right. you'll shoot from uh, the puck is from uh, where you are and then you mm. shoot it from there. So typically in a real game, you would never attain, um, right. rarely attain above uh, 100 miles Could per Could you imagine hour. if you took two steps back during a game? By right. the time you got to the puck, you've got three guys on your back. Yeah, exactly. The, the game <laughs> is right. moving too fast. The game is moving way too yeah. fast for you to actually uh, take a couple steps and get a, a skating movement towards the puck. But let me ask you this then. Um, 
is when the puck, normally in a slap shot, you have a guy who is being fed the puck. It's rare. Oh, yeah. It's rare that you will just have a guy stop, okay, uh, draw back and make a slap shot. Normally it's off of a pass. So somebody feeds you the puck. Does that slow down the speed of the slap shot, or does the energy of the puck going towards the stick act like it does in baseball yep. and actually increase the speed of the puck? Correct. Uh, actually, if you look at it, it goes faster when the puck is coming towards you because you get this bounce effect mm -hmm. adding up to your own effort. And it's exactly what's happening in baseball. I think it would be very difficult to uh, hit a home run from a stationary ball. You, you, it, it really, the, the home run is a, a combined effort from the, the, the batter and the pitcher as well. All right, borrowed oh, energy. Wow. Okay, another question. Another question for the good professor here. This time from Howard Pirat on Facebook. How does freezing the pucks make them glide better and not Bounce. Okay, first of all, Ooh. I did not know that they froze the puck. I think it's hard not to when you consider its its life is spent on ice. Well, it's yeah, quite cold. But, but I'm sure I, I know. I'm, but I'm, I didn't know that. Is there an actual freezing of the puck? Like they okay, put it in a freezer? Awesome, professor, does if do they freeze them? And if they do, is that about the density of the matter in the puck, or is there something else going on? Yeah. So the uh, it depends on the game. I mean, amateur games they don't freeze pucks. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know, but uh, the high level, I believe they do have. Uh, buckets of puck in the freezer somewhere and they use uh, frozen pucks um, mo the main reason though is that it, uh, frozen rubber doesn't bounce as much so when it's going to hit the board it's not going to rebound as fast so it's and a also off it's, the ice it's so it's a it's a dampening effect it's really like a shock absorbing effect it stops it from popping around it becomes less elastic, just like any rubber band right. that you uh, you freeze. It becomes more rigid, so it, it wouldn't bounce as uh, as well. Gotcha. Does it travel as uh, as our question from Howard there was? Does it travel better on the ice because of the fact it's frozen? Uh, technically, yes, but I think it's very close. It would be unperceptible uh, if you, if you, unless you use a, a very warm puck, then it mm. might stick to the ice more. But uh, usually, room temperature versus uh, you know zero degrees or minus ten, it would not make a big difference. But the bounce effect, yes, you can measure so, that. So uh, it's so. it's it's really to deaden the puck so it doesn't bounce around. That's the main reason. Yes, mm, gotcha. Yeah. Wow, that was a great question, and I learned something about uh, that I had no idea that they actually use frozen pucks. That's really kind of cool. Good. Hey, right. hey, thanks a lot, Howard. Question up Good question. From Facebook, TJ Carroll. I was wondering if you could help me understand which puck would have more velocity, a puck sliding on the ice that's spinning, oh, here we go, or a puck sliding on the ice that's not spinning. Which one would go further and why? Okay, Alain, you're up again. That was a great question. Isn't it? Uh, yes, it made me think a lot, actually. Um, and at first, it looks very complicated to answer that, but you can use a principle uh, called the conservation of energy to um, guess that uh, the spinning puck would have more friction. It would lose more uh, kinetic energy from rubbing more against the ice as okay. it travels, okay. right? Because it's rubbing, it's rubbing the ice two ways. It's rubbing the ice in its forward motion, but it's also rubbing the ice in its circular spinning motion. 
That's right. Okay. Correct. Right. And so that would extract energy from uh, its uh, linear motion. So it would technically slow down uh, faster. Now, what's interesting, though, is that it would always stop spinning and moving at the same time. Really? So now, so from a, and I suppose this is a mathematical equation that would, that would determine this. So no matter how hard you hit it or how far it travels, mm -hmm. as it is spinning, the resistance that comes from its linear motion and its circular motion, that resistance will cause the puck to stop spinning and stop moving at the exact same time every single time. Yes. Um, now, to, to explain that, to explain that, you need a big equation. Like yeah. This. Okay. okay. And I, I Just how big? That. We've only got so much time for the show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, for instance, in uh, in curling, you would see yes. a stone uh, rotating, and it will never you'll never see a, a curling stone stop and keep spinning for a little while. Right. Or you'll never see it uh, stop rotating and still travel. Uh, you know, a slide on the ice. It would always stop both motions at the same time. Right, right. And 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 uh, and and what a shame in hockey that we don't have a guy with a broom in front of the puck every single time to make sure that it's not a job you'd volunteer for. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Which, yeah. by the way, you're a Canadian. What's the deal with curling? Okay, what I mean seriously, that's Scottish, but that's a Scottish sport. Is that is really a Scottish sport? And oh, why, gosh, do, why, do, so. why do the Canadians love it so much? Got ice in it. <laughs> That's right. Just because it's got limited options. <laughs> limited options. Okay, there you go. <laughs> we do love Canada, so please do not yeah. be offended by our lame jokes. Well, that's um, that's fascinating stuff, uh, Professor. I, I love that, and uh, we got to look up that equation uh, that I won't understand for one second. Uh, here we go. Let's go with Sheldon uh, Novak from Facebook. Mm. Says, um, uh, Professor. Why do my Winnipeg Jets always suck each year? Um, not necessarily a scientific question, but <laughs> since you were a ho since you are a hockey goalie, maybe you could tell us why the Winnipeg Jets suck every year. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to offend anybody, um, but uh, you know, if you look at uh, general uh, Canadian uh, NHL teams, they mm -hmm. have not done extremely well. The last team to win the Stanley Cup was uh, 24 years ago in 1993. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been uh, a topic of discussion in Canada. Um, and, and could we, it be, let me just, submit, let me just, um, if I might. Is this a scientific or non-scientific theory? Uh, you know what, this is just, this is just a, a postulate that I'm, a, hypo, right. a, a, hypo, a hypothesis I'm okay. putting forward. Go on then. Could it be because there is an immense talent drain from Canada to America when it comes to the NHL. Now, if I grow up in Canada, everyone grows up in Canada with a pair of skates strapped to their feet so it seems. and a stick in their hand, okay? That's all there is to it. And then you say, oh, wait, I'm good enough to play professional hockey. Two things happen. One, do I want to stay where I've lived my entire life? Or do I want to go someplace new and exciting like America? So you go to America, which leaves less talent in Canada. And therefore, the Canadian teams don't fare as well because all the best Canadian talent is playing in America. Um, there is some of that, but uh, don't forget that the players don't always choose where they play. It's like the NBA or the NFL. They get Good drafted point. By, Good point. by teams. Now... 
uh, you know, Canadian teams are seven out of uh, 30 now. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you calculate the odds, uh, there's a certain odd that every year a Canadian team has certain odds of, uh, of winning the Stanley Cup. Yes. It's a, it would be extremely unlikely. I think the chances, if somebody had made a bet in 1993, that 24 years from now, there would not be a single uh, Canadian NHL team to win the Stanley Cup. The odds against that were like 99.9%. Wow. Um, so, so something happened. I mean, there, there are Canadians uh, in um, Canadians hockey team. It's uh, I think it's equally distributed. Okay. I think it, I think it might have to do with the the exchange rate. Perhaps it's uh, it's more expensive to play uh, star players in Canada because Canadian dollars versus U.S. dollars. There's also a big difference in the environment where those uh, players uh, operate. Uh, if you're in Montreal and you don't score for three games, uh, then you're pretty much front page news. Right. Oops. If you're in Tampa yeah. Bay and you have a drought, nobody nobody cares cares about you. Yeah. Right. So exactly. there might be this added pressure where uh, you know it's harder to perform under uh, in in environments where people are scrutinizing you all the time. I got Sheldon. You. It might just be the fact that there's got Jets in the name. Yeah. If you think about the New York Jets, yeah, say, same NFL, New York. not quite working right. for them either. Right. Just offering that up as a theory. Got no scientific Last evidence. Last great of Jets, course. Benny and the Jets. There you go. Ooh. True. All right. <laughs> yes. Big <laughs> Elton John fans in the house. Yes. All right. Next up, Mike Kopp again on Facebook. Why is it the puck travels faster, closer to the ice than it does in the air? At least, he says... That's what they say during the skills competition. Do now, we agree? Talking about the, the, the puck is still off of the ice. So it's traveling above the ice as opposed to higher up in the air. Because if it's, it travels faster in the air than on the ice because of the amount of friction, correct? Because even though ice is slippery, the air provides far less friction than ice thereby making the puck so the go closer, faster. So the closer to the ice, the air's going to be cooler than air... No, what I'm uh, saying is, is, uh, he, is that what is he's saying? something else going on? Is he saying that he's... Is the question, the puck is still off the ice, and so the higher up you go, mm. the slower it gets? Is that what he's saying? Because yeah. otherwise it doesn't make sense to me. The question doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think uh, it's true that they say that, and uh, I believe it's a technical thing because uh, the radar that measures the speed is at ice level. Now, ah. the radar only measures the speed of an oncoming object. Right. So if it's coming, if the radar is here and then the puck is coming this way, mm-hmm. and it's not going to measure so it's, it's rising up from the ice, so, so, elevating. So yes. that's what it is. So the puck on an angle, if the puck is coming off the ice at a 45-degree angle, what happens is the radar only measures it for a period of time that it's oncoming, and then it's kind of above the radar, or as they so would I suppose, say. So I suppose what you're saying, Professor, is if it's traveling in a directly linear approach towards the radar, it's going to be faster. If it's rising from ice up, say it goes over the, the goal, right. it's above, then it's, the, the radar is going to see it as a slower object because there's an angle involved in the way it travels. 
That's right, and that's exactly what mm. happens with uh, p uh, police radars as well. So if you if you're just moving across a police uh -huh. uh, who's mm. parked, he's not going to measure your real speed. He's going to measure okay. a component so of the fraction. For, for of all it. of us li listening to this in the future, Have use flying your flying car. car. Exactly, we've got to the same place at the same time. Right. <laughs> just make sure you're on an right. angle when you get to, when yeah. the cops pop you one. That's great. All right, <laughs> man, that's very cool. Well, that's yeah. that's good to know. That's good to know. Professor, please, Alan Hache, you are going to stay with us. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we will take more of your questions about the physics of hockey, physics on ice with the good professor himself. This is Playing With Science, and we'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing With Science. Science. And today we are taking your questions about hockey. You may already heard us call it physics on ice because that's exactly what it is. And to make sure we give you the best answers to what are some brilliant questions, we have Professor Anan Hache, author of Slapshot Science and the Physics of Hockey and Professor of Physics at Moncton University in Canada. Right. And already we've learned some really cool stuff, like yeah. number one, they freeze pucks in uh, professional games. Mm -hmm. Did not know that. And number flying two, cars couldn't evade the speed radar. will avoid radar detection. Yeah, so, so uh, every day's a school day. Yep, it's going well. Right. So again from Facebook, Lance in Topeka, I believe KS is Kansas. Right, I like this question. Hello, science advocates. Oh, I like this. is even better. How is it possible for the glass to protect fans from direct hits from the puck, yet I have seen players checked through it? What forces are responsible for this? Mm. Okay, Professor. That's a good one, Professor. Let's have the... Okay, That's I like that Do question. Do we know what the glass is made of? Uh, is, it, is it something like Lexan or one of those type of composites where it's not really... First of all, it's not glass. It's not That's pure glass, number no. one. No, no. So do we know what the glass is made of? 
Uh, they tend to be nowadays plexiglass. Okay. They changed it from tempered glass, which used to be very rigid and heavy. So the players would hit against it and uh, feel really uh, a lot of pain because uh, it doesn't move very well. Plexiglass is uh, more flexible, so uh -huh. it'll absorb some of the shock as well. Now, you've seen those uh, footages sometimes. Uh, puck will hit the net and then it'll just uh, shatter in all like millions of bits. And that's tempered glass. The plexiglass would never do that. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, now, would the body go through? Uh, yes, if it, you know, with momentum, a large body will just keep going through. Uh, whereas the puck will tend to stop; uh, most of its speed would be lost there. Um, so, yeah, it's called safety glass for that reason. It, it will stop uh, pucks, and but you know, bodies will go through. What yes. sort of speed does a guy at about two hundred and twenty pounds need to be going? before he ends up in row two with the spectator? Uh, it's a difficult question to answer okay. because uh, I think most of the time they break. It's a flaw in the glass. Um, ah. Sometimes it doesn't take that much. Ah. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. One of life's imperfections. There you go. Mm -hmm. right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take the next uh, question from Gregory Schmeggery. Gregory Schmeggery coming from Instagram, <laughs> and his real name is Greg uh, Dimitrulakos from Toronto. Uh, and he's from Toronto. And he oh, says hey, this. this is how you start every question. What's that? I love, I love the, the show, show guys. guys. There you go. <laughs> That's how you get your question on, just FYI. Tell me the colder, uh, tell me, the colder ice gets, the harder it gets too, right? So how cold is too cold? If ice was absolute zero, would it be like trying to skate on glass? Thanks a lot. So uh, first of all, ice at an absolute zero. Wow. I mean, uh, could you play hockey on ice and at an absolute zero, which I believe is minus 270 Three, three degrees yeah. Kelvin. Kelvin. Yes. Um, what happens to ice at minus 273 degrees Kelvin? And is there any way to skate on it, Professor? I'm not sure anyone has ever tried. Um, <laughs> even the coldest of Canadian nights, um, yeah. I, we don't reach those temperatures. Uh, but um, I was mentioning about uh, the, this uh, quasi-fluid layer of water that exists um, on top of the ice. Mm -hmm. And it's just a few molecules in depth. Yeah, uh, And that's what gives ice its slipperiness. Even a light object, even if you don't have pressure melting or frictional melting, you mm -hmm. still have this surface that is slippery that's why a puck for instance can glide easily right now that semi-wet layer uh exists down to temperatures uh around minus 200 degrees celsius and at zero at zero degree uh nothing moves and there nothing be moves so that molecular no. that molecular vibration that you're talking about on the semi-wet layer that would cease to exist because if nothing moves at minus 273 kelvin then that vibration stops right that's right. There's no vibration. Everything is frozen. So it would be just us skating on uh, trying to skate on plastic or floor or something. It wouldn't yeah. work. And by the way, I kept saying 273 minus 273 Kelvin. It's zero Kelvin minus 273 Fahrenheit, right? Or Celsius. Yes, yes, correct. Yes. Okay. Known, so, to, known to layman as cold. Which, right, to everybody else is, damn. Cold. <laughs> but you know someone, someone's going to think, I'm going out in this. <laughs> There'll be one person right, that says, yeah. I'm going out in this. I'll show you. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So that's interesting. So since nothing moves, you couldn't skate on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be. Uh, there, there's no liquid. Uh, the, the, the liquid does not exist there, and uh, it would be. I, it's hard to say what would be the friction coefficient, but mm-hmm. it, you know, most materials that we know uh, would be, you know, impossible to skate on, and that would be ice as well. So we're talking about this this layer, um, you know, the mo- the molecular vibration, but how would the pressure? Would it not? Would the skate not be able to make that? that groove, that cut into the surface, is that what you're saying now? You're, you mean like if you apply pressure that would squeeze out that... Correct, uh, yeah. Correct. yeah. Would that then just, that's, that wouldn't be viable? No, uh, because uh, that's a great question, but uh, it's just so thin that nothing can really squeeze it out. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, the physics of it, just it, it would not squeeze out, no. Would not squeeze out. Man, all no. right. Hey, well, I, let me tell you, Gregory Schmeggery, it's a damn yeah. good question. I think, for you I think to, we got uh, two answers in one there because Eric Johansson from Empirical on Twitter asked, why is I slippery? Eric, I think your answer just arrived. Yes. I uh, hope you're happy. And Gregory Schmeggery. And the answer is magic, Eric. That's yes, the answer. That's it. It always is. It's magic. Yeah. There's no science. There's no such thing as luck and there's no science. No. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, I, I love this. Here we go. Simon, I'm guessing it's Simon for one simple reason. Lavalier, Lavalier, my apologies if I'm strangling your name. Uh, From a farmer village in QC, Canada. And this comes from uh, Facebook. Knowing that the weight of a skater on the blades causes pressure and heat so the ice melts, the blades carve the ice and allow the skater to move. What would happen if the ice didn't melt under the blades? Well, we may have already had that yeah, answer. I think, I think we already got that answer. Yeah, unless uh, you've got anything to add to that, Professor? No, uh, ice is slippery. Um, it would be fairly slippery, but it, it's sure it does help. Uh, the, the fact that it does melt underneath and also a frictional melting also occurs, it does help. So it might be a little bit harder if it didn't melt. Okay. But uh, I mean, again, if you look at a, a puck sliding on the ice, it goes quite so, uh, right. easily as well. So it, 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 it may cause um, s- some difficulty, but it would be negligible, right? That would be my my guess, yes. Okay. All right, cool. All right, well, let's move on with uh, Jeff Stasarek. 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 That's his name. Now you know why I didn't Starchik. ask it. Now you know why I didn't ask no. this question. Okay, <laughs> Jeff Stasarek. Okay, I'm going to say that's your name, Jeff. And if it isn't, you better damn well change it to that. We're going okay. with, I'd go Here with we Jeff. Go. <laughs> Let's go with Jeff. Uh, there have been a lot of complaints from professional players about ice conditions mm. in arenas throughout the league. What conditions are optimal both for speed and minimal ice degradation? So we've heard of fast ice and slow ice. What makes fast ice? What makes slow ice? And what is the optimal condition for the best skating uh, ice? Yep. So you have uh, certain conditions such, such as temperature. Mm-hmm. You want uh, you don't want too close to zero degrees Celsius because then the ice becomes soft. It might be a little bit more slippery, but because it's soft, the skate will dig deeper into it. And yes. it'll, it'll slow you down. Ah. At the other extreme, if it's too cold, it's hard. That's nice. It doesn't dig as much. But then it becomes less slippery because that layer I was talking to you about before. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the optimal temperature is somewhere around minus seven degrees Celsius, plus or minus a few. Uh, there's other in the environmental factors such as humidity. Uh, you don't want a lot of humidity to um, 
to affect, that would also influence the ice uh, quality. And of course, you want to uh, repair it well between periods. If you have a machine, uh, Zamboni, that is not um, properly tuned or uh, something that would also not uh, help. So hang on a minute. One second, Professor. You tune a Zamboni. You tune a Zamboni. Oh, mm. so, so I'm, I'm thinking the Ferrari type Zamboni. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, oh. I don't even want to see hockey anymore. No, I just, just want, want the, I want Zamboni races. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we've, we've diverged into a tangent here. You talked about humidity. So ironically, if you've got a team in the southern states, fans coming into the stadium and are going to bring humidity with them because if they're going to play at a certain time of the year, they just can't help it. Hot, warm even, air and humidity is going to be coming in with them. Even the body heat of the people in the stadium is going to create a certain amount of humidity just, just from that, right? Yeah. True, uh, and it becomes a little bit harder. So yeah, your machines have to work harder. I mean, the uh, the compressors and uh, the refrigeration systems they have to right. uh, you know to work extra to keep the ice cold enough. Yeah. So, uh, picking up on Jeff's question, uh, optimal conditions during a game will the ice condition not change because at the beginning, in a particular style of play they'll cut the ice up a little bit they'll they'll make that surface a little bit rougher and uh, so during a period you'll find conditions and the way a team or a player will actually play change as the conditions change is that right uh, not so much as the type of play will change mm -hmm. uh, but there will be snow snow will accumulate um, and when when you go into overtime for instance yeah. uh, they like to um, you know uh, squeegee out a little bit uh, during the uh, the shootouts as well they clean up uh, the middle because the, the, with snow on the ice you get uh, you get the puck slowing down as well so you don't want that to happen the well, worst you do because uh, you're a goalie Yes, that helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, or or maybe or maybe not. I, the worst uh, situations I've ever seen uh, involved, I think, it was in Buffalo, and it was an outdoor game uh, with uh, Sidney Crosby, and there was a lot of snow on the ice, and, uh -huh. and it made it made the play very difficult. But indoor, you would never uh, get to that level. Okay, for for those who don't know, snow is a technical term for the ice that gets shavings. carved up and shavings. Shavings, yes, shavings. yes. yes. Right. shavings from yeah. the blades of the skates. Okay. Like a snow cone, or if if you are a Latino, a piragua. Ah. Is that another one of your words of the day? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, it's a very good thing. In the summertime here in New York City, you might find a guy standing out in the middle of the street with a big block of ice, and he takes a plane, and he uh, has a blade on it, and he shaves it, shaves it, shaves it, puts it in a cup, puts some uh, flavored syrup on top of it, and it's called a beep. Now I can't even say it. Damn it. Piragua. That's what it is. Piragua. Yes. Worth uh -huh. Just like the treat itself, worth waiting for. Right. <laughs> moving on to our next question. <laughs> Brad Guest from Facebook. Hi, folks. Hi, Brad. Just wondering what the actual contact surface a fresh skate blade has with the ice and what is the decrease, decrease of its drag coefficient? Here we go. Technical stuff averaged out over the course of a game. Has anyone done such a survey? Well, there's only one person to answer this. A professor of physics and hockey player, Alan Haché. So, Professor, your thoughts on this question? It is um, not very long. I mean, if you look at the underneath of... Uh of a skate blade, it's kind of rounded like this. Mm -hmm. And the portion yep. that actually touches, uh, you're looking at maybe 10 centimeters, a couple of inches. Wow. And mm -hmm. yeah, over the course of a game, uh, it would not, uh, the, the 
the drag coefficient would not uh, necessarily decrease. If anything, it would increase because of the shavings or the, the snow on the ice. It would uh, be, uh, you know, it would it would increase. Ten. Right. You're, you're, Typically, that was that's what you see. Right. You're, you're, you're actually the, the blades. You're gonna. It's gonna slow you down. It's not the drag coefficient is gonna increase, not not decrease, because you have you have an extra. I don't know what you would call it. It's the same material, but it's in a different form on the ice, and now you're traveling over top of that as well. Oh, yeah, correct. Okay. And uh, let me ask you something. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, uh, because this question just made me think about when you said the ice is rounded so that there's just really a little bit of the surface of the skate that, I'm not the ice, the skate blade is rounded on a mm. hockey. Yeah. So why is the skate blade rounded on hockey, but then on the figure skates, yes. they're like a long flat blade? Why why do they round the hockey blades like that? Because figure skaters seem to have a great deal of agility and mobility on the ice. It, what is the purpose of doing that? The sk figure skating blades is not actually not that flat. Uh, it, it looks a little bit like a, a hockey blade. What is flatter, though, is those uh, speed skaters. Ah, they, they, they have yes. uh, yeah, they actually have. perfectly flat blades, and that the, it's to prevent the blade to dig into the ice and slow you down. Ah. What it prevents you from doing, though, is to making very sharp turns. And right. that's why the hockey blade is, uh, is, uh, is rounded, because it allows you to take a small radius mm. uh, turn, right? But uh, for the speed skaters, they're, they're going around a, a large oval. So it, uh, for them, they don't yeah. have to and their blades turn on are very And their blades are long and flat, and they yeah. almost look like a straight razor you use on your oh, face. NASCAR on ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go around that oval track. Here, here Alan, maybe you can how, – how often will a player – change blades during periods or maybe one or two games it's uh, does it depend on an individual and how they play and what reasoning is behind that well you if you're I assume you're asking about uh, professional players yeah, correct. Yes, amateur sorry, yes. would not yes yeah, um, professional so, guys because uh, they they have uh, they have a blade minion a blade butler or whatever it is they have that deals with that especially for them yeah, they, they will sharpen them uh, regularly within a game uh, between periods uh, that quite often indeed. Um, how many times can you sharpen before you want to throw them out uh, with uh, imagine a couple of games because you know you, you're wow. every every time you take a, a little bit of, of the blade then uh, mm. you change the shape a little bit right. so uh, they, would, they wouldn't last more than a couple of games I would think. It's like NBA players with their sneakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know how they change their sneakers like every other game or the other some thing. of them every game. Yeah. Have I had a good game? Have I had a great game? Great game. Footwear stays. Bad game. Throw them out. Trash. Right. Yeah. Uh, never, never allow f people to tell you sports men and women are not superstitious. <laughs> oh, and then something. Then there's a show. There is definitely a show. Right. Moving on and out of this world, Professor. Hope you can stay with us for the, uh, the Space Age travel. Space Games Federation. I, I should salute. Yes. Um, this is on Twitter. Uh, what are the physics of playing ice hockey on Mars? Could we skate like the boys in Helion's Red Planet? Mm. Hmm. All right. So, would uh, are you up for this one, Professor? S skate sure. Ice skating on Mars. I like those crazy questions. Then you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's interesting. Uh, the main difference between here and Mars would be that on Mars you get about forty uh, percent of the gravity. Mm -hmm. uh, funny thing is, like you, you might think, okay, that you'll feel lighter, so you'll go quicker. But in fact, that would slow you down because you would not be able to exploit um, friction as much. Uh -huh. Friction force, yeah. Right. So you would tend, like you know, people you've seen on the moon mm -hmm. uh, cannot run as fast as on Earth because you just bounce off right. the surface uh, so easily. So you would not be able to accelerate as much, uh, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Of course, I haven't tried, and but this would be my my best guess is that it would slow the game. Well, you're right because yeah. I got to tell you, I have been to Mars, and uh, you're absolutely correct. You know, no. Um, <laughs> But you know what? That's funny. I never thought of it that way. You're right. The exploiting the friction. It's like when you get on a toboggan. Mm. Well, I don't know if you. I'm sure you have. But if you race your friends in a sled race or a toboggan race, yes, you got to make sure you got a fat guy on your team. <laughs> you need that fat guy in the back of that toboggan so that you can have the weight, so that you can get down the hill faster. Uh, you know, uh, it's same same type of right, same type of premise. I hope. So rear engine toboggan. Or maybe my tobogganing um, yeah. uh, uh, strategies have been wrong all this time. Maybe. And we were just lucky, you know, that we had this guy Thaddeus who was just big and fat <laughs> and, uh, and always helped us win our toboggan races. But I'm not sure. Um, neither am I. Right. Uh, you don't have to answer that question, <laughs> Professor. That one you can just let slide on by there, pun intended. Right. Ian Treat, Treat82 on Twitter. All right, what other sports would you like to see on ice and why? I'd like to see soccer on ice so it could be finally be a manly game. Damn. Oh my wow. word. I've got sorts of I've just a little yeah, bit, man. yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's going to evoke an For answer for me. Who don't but I already know Gary is a former professional footballer. He is a professional soccer player. So past uh, tense, past tense. Who, who um, wrote that? Who wrote right, that? This is Ian Triel. Ian, man. Yeah, no, no, good question. So, Alan, Professor, you're up first. What other sports would you, and this is a personal question, yeah. would like to see played on ice? Could be anything. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, there's different possibilities, but uh, for sure you don't want to see diving because you, diving has to be on melted water. <laughs> well done, sir. Oh, Alan, well you brought played. the funnies. I like it, sir. Well it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, boxing on ice already exists. That's called hockey. Uh, what else? <laughs> oh, right. this is uh, good. I got to tell you what I'd, would be fun is wiffle ball. Like you know what I mean? Like it's which is a form like baseball, but you don't you don't have to knock the ball that far. So you use a wiffle ball, so the mm. ball can't go that far. And it's you know you get a little baseball game on ice. That'd be kind of cool. I, I kind of like the idea of having basketball on ice, just to see men trying to rebound and <laughs> jump yeah, shots. Yeah, bad. that might have that that would evoke a little bit of contact. Ball handling might be a little difficult though. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They'd to, have to wear gloves. Dribbling. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to. It be cold hands, yeah. cold hands. All right, let's go back to, to the question, and it was uh, Ian Triel. So, as for soccer not being manly, uh -oh. you are referring to the modern game, sir. Um, back in the day, which would be my day, which was many decades ago, um, soccer on. played in England would have been something more akin to rollerball. If you've ever seen that movie... Mm -hmm. Bones got broken. Yeah. It was more like hockey than anything you'll watch played right now. But uh, good question. Hopefully, we've given you a good answer. In other words, uh, Ian, what Gary was trying to say is, I will punch you in the face. 
That's what he was really trying no, to No, 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 not at all. We, yeah. we love our listeners. Yes. And, you know, there were times during... It would be a punch of love. Yeah. <laughs> that, there would be times during a soccer game back in the 80s where players would viciously attack an opponent's elbow with their nose. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who can work that one out, well done. All right. What else do we have, question-wise? No, that's it. That's we it. We are done. No. We are out of time. And this has been truly a pleasure with Professor Alan Hashay. Hey, Professor, thanks again for uh, all of your insights and being on the show with us, man. We're going to take our next break. Uh, you're going to want to stick around for this because up next we bring you the player's perspective with Colin Wilson, left winger, yes, left winger, with Nashville Predators. And he, because it's a special treat for everybody, we're going to bring in the big guy. Yes, Dr. Tyson will be in the house. Stay tuned. We're back shortly. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with, with Science. Yes, it is. And today we're exploring the realm of physics on ice, a.k.a. ice hockey. <laughs> now joining us by phone is Colin Wilson of the Nashville Predators. Yes, that Colin Wilson. Colin, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me on. Ah, it's a pleasure, Colin. Thank you for being here. And in addition to Colin, here in the studio, we have, uh, when you talk about science, physics, astrophysics, you name it, his name is synonymous. I don't think he needs an introduction. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) It's the man, the myth, the legend, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, thank you, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know I was a myth. I, I, keep, I keep, Yes, I'm telling you, you are a myth. You don't exist, Neil. <laughs> you are a hologram that the universe has created. <laughs> I'm delighted to uh, lay down some physics wherever you know. You put up the physics bat signal right in the sky, and uh, I'm happy. Oh, to show you up. answered the call. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you That's, answered the call. Physics and everything. So we'll we'll just uh, we'll just hear hear about this play. Oh man, could you we'll do it? Could you actually do every answer like? Uh, Batman, where you're just like, cosmic background radiation. (laughs) (laughs) Batman, no, which Batman do you want? Which version? You need the the, the one that needs a a Ricola. You you want that one. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, wait, what is his name? All of them. All the one after a certain point. No, who won the Adam West version? Yeah, the one, no, the one who played American Psycho. What's his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale, thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the Batman. You know? Got a question right. Anyway, hey! so here we go, so, guys. Do the clip. <laughs> what we're going to do right now, because we have Colin Wilson on the line, who is, by the way, a third-generation professional hockey player. That's wow. a thing. That's that's, something. that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, Colin, your grandfather was a professional hockey player, right? Yeah, he uh, he played two two uh, two games for the Montreal Canadiens before having to retire, uh, and then my dad played uh, another 552 games, and so I get to, uh, get to be the third generation making it. Okay, so now do they say to you, uh, you got you, you youngins got it easy. Back in my day, we didn't wear helmets or face masks or <laughs> anything. Uh, do, do they like, get on your case about that? Yeah, my dad definitely does. Uh, now, that, <laughs> now that the professional sports have us uh, chartering, you know, he, he, he used to talk about having to be, you know, sit in the airport, have connections, things like that. Definitely is uh, a little bit more cushy than back in his day. Yeah, you're, nice. you're just a bunch of wusses. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's I'm pretty sure your grandfather had no teeth. Is that correct? Um, you know what? He actually he actually got to hold on to his teeth, and he was a fighter. So I, I don't know if he had a good dentist and never told me, but he got to retain all. 
<laughs> Good bob and weave by the sound of it. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, <laughs> wow, he's a hockey fighter with all his teeth. Maybe he should have been a boxer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <he was> good. <laughs> all right, let's get this clip going. All right, let's, let's get the clip. It. And here's a, for, for those of you who are um, uh, don't have the <clears throat> pleasure of seeing us on video, uh, this is a clip of Colin Wilson breaking away uh, with the puck, uh, doing a little pretty stick handling, and then he splits uh, a, a defenseman mm-hmm. and uh, gets by him and then does a sweet little top-shelf backhand for a goal. So take a listen. By Ekholm, Predators racing. It's Wilson trying to time it up with Yarnko. Looks in front, takes it middle. On the backhand, he Off the back bar, not the crossbar. So the goal that's There you go. Colin, that had to feel twice as good, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was a good feeling and uh yeah, they waved the goal off really quick. I saw it go in, so once they uh, finally called it a goal, uh definitely felt a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, it's like you it's it's for you it's like the joy of scoring two goals. One once when you do it and then when they say, "Yeah, you did it." Well, plus you did you did that so smoothly. It was oh yeah, anybody could do that, you know. Yeah, well, that, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the elevation of an athlete. That's the elevation. That, when when they make something as complicated as that, right? Look as if you know what I'm in my armchair. I could so do that. Yeah, I could yeah. so do that. And, and and on that particular play, like I said, so uh, Colin comes across the net and he jukes a defenseman, fakes another defenseman who was on the other side of the net, and the goalie. Yeah. So I mean, does that make you feel even better too? When it's like you know, it's one thing to get to get a feed from somebody and you know make a a, a great little you know wrist shot or you know to do a slap shot and 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 but you know off of a pass, but. When you do it like that, does it give you an extra sense of satisfaction? Because you kind of single-handedly did it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel pretty fortunate right now for you to have uh, shown me, shown probably the nicest goal of my career on this show. So, um, yeah, it was downhill it was from a, there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely definitely a good feeling there. Uh, it was, it's nice to score pretty goals, and uh, you know. It, you know, have an effort that, uh, you know, you yourself, you know, do a lot. So that one, that one definitely felt pretty sweet. And, um, you know, it was, it was fortunate to, you know, beat the goalie and make it all work. Colin, from what point when you get the puck, does standard set plays within a certain part of the rink and your just natural innovation take over? Great um, yeah, it just, it just depends. Um, yeah, like right, right there. Um, I guess I mean people talk about being in the zone or something like that. There wasn't a whole lot, a whole lot of thinking. It kind of felt when you watch the replay, it's actually kind of amazing how quick it. When you watch it, it's like wow, that happened really quick, and mm. things just kind of slowed down for me there. I saw the defenseman putting a stick down, so you know I could put it through his stick, and um, yeah, so it's it just becomes yeah a little bit more of an instinct as opposed to a lot of thought happening. What you've just described there is a heightened sense where until you get in that situation, 
you the time doesn't slow down. But once you're there, and I think you'll have been in that situation so many times, you're attuned to the fact that you can start to absorb a whole lot of things like where the defenseman's skate is, where the stick is, goalkeeper's position. Those things, how how much has that has been training and how much of that is just, you know what, I'm third generation. This is what oh, I've got. I got. I got this right, in my DNA. Exactly. <laughs> this is in my DNA. <laughs> See the hockey, st- hockey stick right there in the DNA? <laughs> what so it's it a double helix of a helix yeah. of, of hockey sticks. There you go. <laughs> Opposite double helix. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I think um, you know certain, certainly a, a lot of it is training. Um, you, know, you know to be able to um, have the kind of hands to be able to make that play. You know the shot at the end to be able to get it up. But at the same time, I mean, it's just kind of um, it is a bit of the human experience. You know, in certain times where the brain kind of just ends up slowing down things, you know, people describe it as a zone. Other people, I don't know, maybe get it from a, a meditative standpoint, but um, definitely a little bit of training and a little bit of just kind of, um, yeah, the, the way that humans are made, it just kind of slows down, you know, in that, in that instance. Hey, let me ask you, uh, switch gears for a second, because, you know, uh, one of the things that we talk about, um, uh, you know, in, 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 in hockey, uh, of course, is the importance of the skates, mm. uh, the technical advancements that have been made to skates sure. uh, recently. And in a game against Minnesota, you actually popped your blade off the <laughs> skate. You popped your blade off the skate. But here's the thing that really got me. You continued the play. <laughs> on one freaking skate because I okay can. it's like yeah. so so what I want to know is two things and then Neil I want you to maybe uh, chime in with the actual act of skating on ice mm-hmm. from a physics standpoint sure, and sure. what kind of pressures are being applied mm-hmm. so Colin for you is have is skating just second nature for you the fact that because for you it looks like the way I walk and the way my shoe feels against the ground is the way you skate mm. and the way your skates feel against the ice. Yeah, I mean, it's, def- it's definitely just turned into, yeah, walking, running. Um, you know, it's like riding a bicycle. You kind of never forget. You go out there and, um, yeah, it's just second nature. I mean, I've, I started skating when I was about two years old and 27 now, so 25 years of Twenty-five years of being out there, you just uh, you just get used to it. So, wow. um, yeah, you definitely definitely compare it to yeah somebody who likes to run or uh, something like that. That's cool. And Neil, yeah. so for skating itself, the act of skating. What are the physics involved in the acts of skating? Just to bring some science into this. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost too much information. I can tell you, but it's almost too much information because it's there's a lot of physics behind why he glides on the ice and any skater glides. Mm-hmm. And you think we're well, gliding because it's ice, right? That's right. Not, that's the answer we give ourselves, right. and we're done. But that's not the answer, all right? So it, it, it has everything in this world to do with pressure. Pressure, phys- the physics of pressure. And f- pressure is force divided by area, s- simply. Okay, mm-hmm. so pressure and force are not the same thing. Okay. So it is why a knife... A sharp knife cuts, and a dull knife does not. All right. If you bring a knife to food uh-huh. and you press down, and it cuts easily, you say, "Oh, that's a sharp knife." Right. Because you put a certain force on the blade, right, and it just cut easily. Now the blade is dull. Mm-hmm. Now you put the same force on the food, right. and it does not cut. That is why I did not make it in prison. 
Because <laughs> I had dull knives, and they were just like, that guy doesn't know what he's you know, doing. He, he, he can't cut it. You don't know how to cut it. <laughs> he right. can't cut it. cut it. So go ahead. Sorry. So what happens is the area of the cutting edge of the blade is what matters. Right. A dull blade. This gate's a super sharp. That's why I'm getting there. Yeah. So a dull blade, a dull knife blade, mm -hmm. has a bigger surface area than a sharpened knife blade. Right. Okay? Right. And if pressure is force divided by area, the smaller your area, the bigger the pressure, because you're the smaller the de denominator. Denominator. Okay. The, so, right. So it's almost like, I can't say, I'm saying this wrong, but you'll know what I mean. Okay. It's almost like by decreasing the area, you're increasing the force, even though you're not really increasing the force. Yeah, you're in we have a word for that. It's called pressure. You're uh, okay, pressure. so you're increasing the pressure. Yes. Thank you. So I just made it far more difficult than it had to be. <laughs> By simply sharpening the blade, you're using the same force and you have a higher pressure. Higher pressure. Okay? Right. And it's the pressure that's cutting the food. Okay, that's it. so now. Okay, now you got that. We got that. We got that. Okay, yeah. so now. By the way, water. I'm really hungry for a steak right now. Okay. <laughs> you want to cut a steak. <laughs> so water... Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, if you cool water, yeah, and now you bring it to thirty-two degrees and you freeze it. Okay. Water, unlike most other ingredients, expands when it freezes. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We you, know this if you yes, put yes, stuff yes. in your freezer, well, in the freezing room. Well, if you've ever filled an ice tray, you know that you fill it, and then when it freezes, the ice bulges above the, the ice. It bulges tray. about ten percent above. Right. Okay. This is the same thing. This is why icebergs there's ten percent floating above water. Okay. Okay. Right. Ice is less dense than the water from which it came. Okay. Because it expanded. All right. That's why ice floats. Gotcha. Otherwise, ice would sink. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now watch. If you squeeze ice, yep. ice doesn't want to be squozen. Okay? <laughs> it wants to be frozen, but not squozen. You've just made that word up. I know, but it's a good word. It's a good word. Okay. If you squeeze ice right. so hard that it cannot withstand the pressure. Okay. It, you're trying to squeeze ice into a smaller volume. Right. That is hard to do. It is, in fact, it is so hard, usually you do not succeed. The ice busts out and breaks your pipes. Absolutely. Okay? okay? Yeah, you got I, me there? I got you. If you pipes have water in them right. and there's no place for the water, right. it becomes ice. Ice is stronger than your metal pipes. Gotcha. Okay, so now watch. I want to squeeze ice. It will not let that happen. Unless you have such high force that the ice says... Fuck it. I must become smaller, vo smaller volume now. And the only way I can do that is to, to turn go, back into go water. back to water, which from whence I came. From whence I came. And so you can turn 30-degree ice into 30-degree water under pressure in an instant. And then it refreezes right back. Right. And once, it's, once that pressure isn't there, it refreezes instantly. So now, now, why do you want a sharp... Skate blade? It's not sharp like a knife. That's stupid. Because it actually has a flat bottom, but it's... And, and we got a guy still out... Yeah, Colin, 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 Colin. 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 Um, when they quote sharpen the blade, it's actually concave. And you, you have the two edges, the left edge and the right edge of the blade. Isn't that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. So, um, so he's either skating on the left edge or the right. He can skate on both edges. Right. But he'll have, he'll, he's more nimble if he's on one edge or the other. Okay. So now watch. 
the sharper that is, his body weight, okay, good old, good old boy hockey player, what do you weigh, two, what, what are you, 200 something, what are you? Yeah, 220. 220, that's what I figure. Oh, good old. Right. Without the Okay, so now he's got 220 pounds. Uh-huh. If he goes to one side of his blade on one skate, it is 220 pounds on a razor blade. On a razor blade. On a razor blade. That that ice has no place to go except melt back, melt into water in that instant. So and then so that becomes the gliding. That course. is the glide. That's why wow. he glides. That is why. And the instant his his blade comes out the, the comes mm-hmm. out the other side, it refreezes, and there's hardly any record of him having done that. There is another theory. Wait, wait, wait. So now, wait a minute. I will pause. So just so you know. It is possible to be so cold that even those pressures don't melt the ice, and then you cannot skate. So you can have ice. Hey, Colin, have you ever been on ice that felt like you couldn't skate on it because it's been so cold? Too hard. Well, it's too, too hard. Maybe like a couple hundred degrees below zero. Oh, well, then forget <laughs> it. <laughs> sorry, Colin. That, sorry, that would mean you wouldn't be talking to us right now well, because you'd be, you'd be in a cryogenic state. <laughs> yeah. okay. So this is why you can skate, and it's why you can be so nimble. It is why it is slippery for on skate. This is why all of that is the case. Wow. Yeah. So, Colin... I know you're a big science fan, and uh, and you can't help it, as we all can't. You're a big fan of Niels. Uh, are you conscious of science and maths within your sport naturally? And have you ever found any reason to be using it to advantage in your game? Not 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 necessarily, but um, you actually see see nowadays in terms of our recovery and treatments. I actually just oh. came back from uh, laser treatment. Whoa. So it's it's interesting to see how science has developed to um, in in terms of training as well as recovery. So, yeah, I mean, with their, uh, the theory with the laser is putting uh, you know photons, bringing energy at the cellular level in order for it to heal. So it, it's been pretty cool to see um, science y- changing the game. And you also mentioned the way that skates skates have now developed. Um, yeah, it's uh, certainly using science more to get you uh, a little bit faster and then the training making you bigger, faster, and stronger. So I guess it's, um, you know, applying a little bit more pressure on that ice so you get a little bit, uh, you get faster there. Wow, cool. And one other question I wanted to ask when we were back, when we were talking about your goal, um, how much active control do you have on the angle off of the ice that you send the puck? So naively, you say, oh, they're hitting the puck and it's just sliding along the ice. But you can actually lift the puck arbitrarily to find a hole that's in, that you can see. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Okay, so how yeah, much control do you actually have? So for me, it's a little bit different than uh, one of the top goal scorers on our team. I mean, there's some guys on that can really hit those, those little areas, um, and it's an extremely impressive impressive to watch but yeah i mean everybody everybody uh you know you'll practice their shot get it you know elevating the puck and um you certainly develop as you get older more control like on that on that back end i I have a decent decent amount of back end goals in my career and I, i control elevation pretty well getting it up quickly uh, from that backhand position. Well, well, you and I have something in common there, Colin. Getting it up in the backhand position? Is that <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, that's just taking it to a new level. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is that, uh, of course, ice is slippery. If it's airborne, mm-hmm. then the puck is a ballistic projectile. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. 
uh, so it's it would have different mechanics on it than if it's actually sliding on the ice. Absolutely, it's an interesting little fact. Yeah. I hadn't thought that through. And it's very cool, like when you what you just said about him, the way you're manipulating the puck. Do, do you do you feel like the stick is an extension of who you are, and are yeah. and how in touch with the, with the puck are you when you're stick handling? Yes, very very much. So I, I'd say it's uh, definitely an extension. Definitely an extension of your body. I mean, again, when you've been playing hockey for, I mean, I guess I'm at 25 years now, um, it just becomes kind of second nature to have a stick in your hand. And, you know, you can do some pretty um, pretty skillful things when you've been, uh, you know, been at it for a long time. So, um, I mean, you make those, I mean, it's the same thing as anybody working, you know, working at something for 25 years, you, you know, you, you make some uh pretty cool improvements and uh, yeah, it definitely feels like an extension. Colin, before we let you go and I know you're on a busy schedule on the road, just where do you see the development in hockey, be it through re- recovery from injury, psychology, from technical and equipment, where do you see the future taking your sport? Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be a scary thing, honestly, how, how fast it's going to get. Um, if you go look at, when I go back and look at my dad's age, I mean, it just looks like it looks like in slow motion. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks like they were me. walking around the ice. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in, in innovations and in equipment in our training, um, it's in our yeah recovery. I, it's going to be scary to see where the game takes us right now. The top players in the league are all actually uh, the best guy is Connor McDavid. He's 19 years old and. Yeah. The way that he moves on the ice, and there's a couple other guys I can mention, Jack Eichel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they they just they grew up training in a different way than us because of the science had improved by the time that they began their training. Because right, you're now an old um, fart. You're an old fart now at 27. Yeah, at 27. Yeah. I'm I'm on my way out. <laughs> how interesting! Yeah. Wow, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how much faster it really can get because it's it's starting to it's it's really it's really impressive these young players that are coming up. Wow, that's cool. Hey, man, well, we are out of time. but we hey, We're I, sorry for that. Uh, Colin, absolute pleasure. Dude, Wish thanks, you well. thanks for yeah. doing this for us. Really we, fabulous for you to have you on the show. Good luck with the, what remains of the season. Yes, man. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 All right, buddy. Well, thanks so yeah. much for having me on. Wow, that's our show, man. We're out of time, and it yeah. was fantastic. Neil, you're not even going to say goodbye. You're just getting up it's and done. leaving. <laughs> Look at Neil. Look at Neil. He was like, I, I, I didn't know. I cannot wait to get out of here. <laughs> Dealing with these amateurs. <laughs> and if our listeners didn't know, every day is a school day and will continue to be so in the presence of Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who we're so grateful for. How do you say such nice things about me all the time? Because you're here in front of us. <laughs> you get ripped to pieces. By the way, there's nothing left of you. <laughs> That's our show, Chuck. That is our show. All right, dude. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to Alan Hache and Colin Wilson. Everybody that's been involved has been absolutely brilliant. I uh, wish we could talk more about it, but we've run out of time. Look forward to your company soon. Bye for now. <laughs>